Hey guys, I'm Turlove. And I'm Emerson. We co-host a podcast at UW called Red Square. Every other week, we stand on Red Square and have conversations with people who open up to us about love, discovery, surprise, and sometimes even whales. We believe that each person has a story, and in sharing them, we can build a little more empathy on our campus. So head over to uwpodcast.com and listen to Red Square. Welcome and thank you for joining us here once again at the Box Day Podcast. I'm Josh Eddy. And I'm Caden Condor. And we're your guide to anything and everything college basketball related. Today is Monday, March 2nd, and we'll be discussing the week's, weekend's crazy action, some of the best wins and worst losses, and take a look at the bubble with just a week left in the regular season. Welcome, guys, to the first episode of March. We're it is, start it is out. March. This yeah. is March. Finally. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start out every, like we do every episode with some rapid fire. Uh, me and Josh are going to go back and forth talking about the weekend's action. Providence picks up its fifth-ranked win in a row in dominating fashion, leading nearly the whole way, and it looks like Ed Cooley will be back in the big dance after a rocky non-con. And Luan Pipkins put the team on his back in this one. He scored 27 points and hit clutch baskets to close out this win. Iowa bounces back with a huge Big Ten win over Penn State. The Hawkeyes shoot over 40% from the field, or from three that is, and Luca Garza drops in 25 and 17. That's a tough team to beat when everything is clicking. Both of these teams play very similar brands of basketball with both offenses centering around bigs, Luca Garza and Lamar Stevens for Penn State. Baylor went from having a 23-game win streak to losing two games in a one-week stretch. Nearly a four-minute drought down the stretch doomed the Bears in their loss to a painfully mediocre TCU team. And the pressure is finally getting to Baylor. This team really needs to get their confidence back ASAP if they plan on making a run in the tournament. Off the heels of a dominating second half against Louisville, Florida State loses a heartbreaker at Clemson. The Tigers have now beaten all three of the top ACC teams and still have probably no chance of making the tournament. And this comes with the territory for Clemson. They always have a strong home court advantage, and they've got some extremely streaky players capable of upsetting some of these good teams in the ACC. It was a one-man block party that Jay Huff was hosting as he posted 10 blocks against Duke, including the game-sealing rejection to lock up Virginia's spot in the tournament. Duke's weakness is length inside, and Jay Huff, who might be the most important player on this UVA team, definitely exposed that weakness. In another boring free-throw shooting contest, Kentucky gets revenge over Auburn, and only two Tigers eclipse a double-digit scoring in their third loss in five games. Over half of Auburn's field goals were threes in this one, and the Tigers only made nine out of 34. They need to get the ball inside more often. Speaking of revenge, Michigan State goes into College Park and does what no one else has done all season, win. Xavier Tillman was terrific on both ends, and the Spartans may be peaking at the right time. Xavier Tillman is the X factor for this team, and if he is playing well, this Michigan State team could go far in the tournament. The Howard Powell rematch took place in Marquette, and Seton Hall once again came out on top. The Golden Eagles made this one close in garbage time, but don't be confused, the Pirates had this one in the bag. This is a reassuring win for Seton Hall supporters. To see them hold a lead like this and win a game comfortably is a good sign. 
UCLA win streak is now up to seven, and the Bruins are currently in sole possession of first place in the Pac-12. Another page was written for the best story in sports, and Sean Miller wasn't even there to witness it. We never thought we would see this UCLA team. We never thought we would be talking about them like we are, but I wish we could have seen a Sean Miller versus Mick Cronin ending to this game. Uh, Mick Cronin, by the way, he just might be coach of the year in the Pac-12. Definitely. Ohio State pulls away late to sweep the season series against Michigan. Wayne Washington's career-high 20 points helped the Buckeyes shoot over 50% from three in this one. I said earlier in the season that Dwayne Washington is the most important player on this Ohio State team. And definitely the most surprising outcome of the weekend, St. John's demolishes Creighton in Queens. The Blue Jays never took flight, shooting only 15% from three in their first loss since February 5th. We could dig deeper into this loss, but if you end up shooting 15% from three, you're not going to win many games. Colorado's struggles continue, this time dropping a winnable game at Stanford. The Buffs didn't lead after the first few minutes and have now have lost four of their past six games. This Colorado team is trending downward. They just don't look like the same team that demolished the Huskies a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Right, that's all we got. What a, yeah. Ending on the Huskies demolition. <laughs> yeah, this was... um. Another the Saturday particularly was just outrageous. Yeah, it was a good top weekend teams for dropping basketball. left and right. It was not as bad as the last Saturday when we saw Baylor, uh, Gonzaga, and San Diego State all losing the same day. But very crazy. A lot of ranked teams going down this this past week. A big shakes up and big shake up in the top twenty five. But yeah, it, but it is March, so anything can happen, and everything that can happen may may happen so you mm-hmm. never know and i'm just excited for march because we finally made it it was a leap year we had one extra day to wait and uh we're, we're finally here we've made it. it it is march we made it we still have to wait it what is it two i think selection sunday is in two, two weeks uh, just under two weeks yeah from and then the yesterday. tournament the first games of the tournament are i think starts march 19th yeah i think you, the first four games are yeah, maybe 17th those and 18th. are the the tuesday wednesday of that week after mm-hmm. Selection Sunday and then Thursday, Friday are the big days. Which yeah. So right that's, about that's the first round. Don't mm-hmm. the, when they did the thing where it's like the first four play and it's the first round. That's that's not the first round. Those are just the yeah. constellation. It's kind of just the to wet wet your appetite a little mm-hmm. bit. Watch yeah. some college basketball. Um, but two weeks from now, about is Selection Sunday. So mm-hmm. uh, conference tournaments are going to be starting in one week. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be exciting to follow as also. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Start getting your. Uh, Schedules cleared for March Madness. We were just talking about how we're going to be spending the first two days just glued to the TV for probably, what, 12 hours straight. It's usually how long it lasts. And you get the little break in the middle, go get some wings or whatnot. But for the most part, you're just on the couch. And, mm-hmm. yeah, get get work off, get get all your assignments done early, and get ready because it, it is coming only, only a couple short weeks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get into the best win uh, of this weekend. Mm-hmm. There were some big wins for some teams that were – you know, struggling to make the tournament, kind of on the bubble right now. Uh, what was your best win of the weekend, though, Josh? Yeah, so mine's not a team that's necessarily struggling to make the tournament, but a team that's struggling to find its position in the tournament, and that's Michigan State. And this was a big, big win for them, going into Maryland and pretty much dominating from start to finish. They led by uh, about double digits for this whole game, never let Maryland get back into it. And their their last loss was against Maryland. It was just a couple weeks ago, and it was at East Lansing, and they pretty much had that game in their grasp. They were up uh, six, seven points with a couple minutes left, and then Maryland goes on this crazy run to close out the game, hit a bunch of threes, and they end up winning by about like five or seven points. I forget what it was. So that definitely left a bad taste in their mouths, and they come out of this one and just kind of dominate. And I was impressed because 
Cassius Winston was awesome. Xavier Tillman was awesome. Malik Hall had another really good game. He has he's been kind of quiet lately, but yeah, this was very impressive. And this Michigan State team is very good, like we thought coming into the season. That they've had their struggles, but they're they're peaking right now. It looks like yeah. And I've still got my doubts about this Michigan State team, only because Xavier Tillman is so important to that team. So if Xavier Tillman isn't playing his best basketball, I think they are a little bit weak. Uh, on the inside, mm-hmm, but with Cassius Winston, he he can t- bring you out of any any deficit you might be in. He can hit clutch shots. Uh, I'm not really concerned about them for the first rounds of the tournament, like you said. But when it gets to deeper rounds, I I probably won't have them. It obviously depends on where they're at in the bracket, but mm-hmm. I probably won't have them winning at all. I can kind of safely yeah. say that right now. Yeah, I mean this is the same recipe they were at last year, obviously. Last year, they didn't have the same kind of expectations coming into the year, but they really started playing their best basketball the final weeks going into the the Big or Big Ten tournament, and then I believe they actually won the Big Ten tournament, and then just kind of carried that all the way through, all the way to the Final Four. So yeah. if they could do something similar to that, I'm not saying I'm putting all my chips in right now, yeah. but if they, they have two tough games coming up this week, and if they, I think it's at Penn State and then Ohio State at home, I believe, are the two, or Michigan at home, something like that. So if they can win both those and look good in the Big Ten tournament, I'm pretty sold on this team just because of their upside. And when you have a guy like Cassius mm-hmm. Winston, anything's possible. Yeah, definitely. Another team that I'm kind of, you know, trending upwards on, uh, feeling a little bit more hopeful about at this point, is the Virginia Cavaliers from the ACC. Uh, they just had a big win actually against Duke this weekend. They won 52 to 50, so low scoring in typical yeah, Virginia fashion. Yeah. <laughs> But what really impressed me about this win was the improvement of their big man Jay Huff. Mamadi Diakite is kind of was kind of been their force all season inside, but Jay Huff is a guy who they can play alongside Diakite. They can give Diakite rest and put Huff in, and he had 15 points in this game. I think this was his third best scoring output of the season. He had 17 earlier in the season and then another 16 point performance, but for him to put up 15 against Duke and Vernon Carey was what really impressed me. He's, it seems like he kind of flipped a switch a little bit. Uh, he's playing much more aggressively. I saw him show more passion in that Duke game than I've ever seen him show before. He was always kind of a timid player before this game. So, yeah, if, if he – I think him flipping the switch is kind of, you know, propelling this Cavalier team right now into into heights where they, they wouldn't have been able to win this game earlier on in the season. But I think at this point they're trending upwards like we've always been talking about. If you're playing well this late into the season, anything can happen. And I think this Cavaliers team has a lot of momentum right now. Yeah, you mentioned the momentum. I think they're on a six-game win streak right now, which, granted, it's in the ACC. So, I mean, take with that what you will. Also, a team with a lot of experience. Obviously, won the championship last year. Most of their key pieces are gone. But you have guys like Mamdi Diakite, Kihei Clark, who started in the national championship game last year. And they also have guys like Braxton Key, who's been there, Jay Huff, who's been there. Uh, and then also some new pieces. So Jay Huff is a guy he could also uh, stretch the floor. You were giving him high praise, and I, I'm right there with you. He's he's kind of a unicorn in a sense because of his shot-blocking ability and his ability to knock down threes. So he's a very, very uh, valuable but also inconsistent weapon. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned if he's kind of turned that corner, that's a big piece for this Virginia team that desperately needs scoring. Like they, they their defense has always been good, but when they, they just can't score sometimes, and uh, that's always been the knock on Virginia, and they don't really have a guy that's like a total closeout uh, scorer for mm-hmm. them. So it's it's a little difficult and a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to trust them super like a whole lot in mm-hmm. the tournament, but 
they're, they're showing the right signs right now. Yeah, and this team is always going to be, just with the way that Tony Bennett plays, they're always going to be a little bit uh, susceptible to losing games early in the tournament just mm-hmm. because they play so slow, yeah. you know? all They do it possession by possession, and if you go up against a team that gets hot and starts hitting threes, they can't really change their game plan at this point, mm-hmm. so... You know, no, we saw that against UMBC a couple of years ago. Right, like UMBC got hot, and they kind of, Virginia just had to keep playing the same brand of basketball. And if if they if they're losing, they don't really know how to yeah, get out of transition. It's hard to catch up. Yeah, have you ever seen this team in transition? No, they have. They have a, I haven't seen. They have them. a total zero fast break points in the season. <laughs> don't fact check me on that. <laughs> I heard that was true actually. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I also want to give a quick shout to Seton Hall. They not not a huge surprise that they beat Marquette, but this was on the road, and they just crushed Marquette. I mentioned, I think this they ended up only winning by nine because Marquette made a little run towards the end, but Seton Hall was up almost 20 the entire game on this one, and it mm-hmm. was just like, it was not close at all, and they're just, they're looking really good right now. I, that's a scary team. They are. They're probably going to win the Big East, and they haven't won the Big East since 1993, so shout yeah. out to them. They're a team I'm excited about, too. Definitely. Miles um, Powell. Yeah. What was your, let's get into the worst loss now, so a yeah. team that maybe disappointed, didn't really play to their their potential yeah definitely I mean there's a few but Baylor comes to mind real quickly for me I mean I mentioned in the rapid fire recap this is a team that they're on a, what a 23 game win streak yeah they ranked were, number four in the nation they're well, ranked number one in the nation uh well, before right they now lost they're, to Kansas yeah right now was, they're four yeah now they're four but they were ranked number one they lose to Kansas at home which again isn't that bad of a loss considering Kansas is really good but still you got to close out the season strong now they've lost two games and or two two times in three games, and they're not going to win the Big Twelve title. Not even split it with Kansas now, uh, most likely at least. And they're kind of I'm not even sure if they're going to be a one seed in the tournament. So we'll see. And they were going to be the number one overall seed at one point. So this is a team where uh, it's not looking so hot right now. I'm not going to put too much into it if they could bring it together because you do have bad losses every once in a while. That's college basketball, but. I, yeah, you got to be concerned considering the hopes for this Baylor team, and right now they're not playing their best basketball. Yeah, uh, for my worst loss, I, I had Baylor too. You know, this weekend it was it was a lot of chalk. Uh, a lot of the oh. the ranked teams ended up winning besides Baylor. Uh, I mean, there's Florida State, there's Duke, but I mean Baylor was the worst one. Baylor like, was the worst. Who did Florida State lose to? Clemson. Which that apparently that just is par for the course in the ACC is everyone's gonna lose to Clemson. Yeah, everybody does lose to Clemson. <laughs> I was just disappointed that Carolina lost to Clemson at home. <laughs> Still not over All that. Right. We we hit the under on our North Carolina mention. So nah, that doesn't count. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> what was the best game this weekend that you saw? No question, Arizona at UCLA. This was an electric game. UCLA is a fairy tale season. Mick Cronin's got his boys. They're bought in. You got Tiger Campbell, who had a terrible game, didn't make a single field goal until the final minutes of the game, knocks in a really clutch layup off the glass to kind of uh, pretty much seal the game for them, or I think it, whatever, put, launched them ahead, contributed heavily to that win. You got guys like Chris Smith that's playing well, Jake Kyman that's playing well. Very exciting team. Pauly Pavilion, once again, was on fire. Everyone there is loving it, and... Also, on top of that, Sean Miller, we saw one of the best meltdowns of the year from Sean Miller. Oh, my. Yeah, that was, I mean, he's a guy known for getting pretty hot-headed, 
maybe not as much as his counterpart in Arizona with Bobby Hurley, but and and you could just gosh. tell he was getting thrown out of the game at some point. Oh yeah, I, I think I'm I, surprised I, he got thrown I out. I remember I texted one. you. Uh, what did you respond with about Sean Miller? You oh, said you said he looked like a he looked like a feral animal. He yeah. did though on the sideline. This guy is spitting everywhere, sweating <laughs> through his shirt. It looked like he. Or he had that look in his eyes, like he, like Jeez. you know that like crazy look. Yeah. When someone gets in their eyes, mm-hmm. and you just kind of stay away from them the rest of the night. Like yeah. that. That's what Sean Miller had. And this is is this the second time these teams matched up this year? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, I'm excited to see. Hopefully, Mick Cron. I think Mick Cronin has pretty good job security at this point. Oh yeah, no kidding. Uh, coach, I, he's gonna be coach of the year. In yeah, the I'm looking forward to seeing these matchups in the future. Sean Miller versus Mick Cronin. I think there could be some 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 heated rivalry <laughs> kind of developing from that. Yeah. And yeah, great game. I mean, Sean Miller was like, lit. I'm yeah, I'm surprised he didn't get kicked out the first time when he first made that like grand explosion, if you oh, will. But he, then he was you just he was one word away from getting you kicked knew out. It was coming. Eventually. The refs had had enough. He had been barking in their ears all game. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, nonetheless, great game. Also, we had Bill Walton and Richard Jefferson on the call. <laughs> two guys who yeah, we can Bill talk Walton, about that a little bit. Bill Walton, obviously UCLA guy, Richard Jefferson, Arizona guy. Richard Jefferson went uh, went to Arizona and played with Luke Walton, obviously the son of Bill Walton. So they've had a relationship for a while now. They kind of grew up together, mm-hmm. and there's a funny, little rivalry there between stuff going on UCLA on and Arizona. And their banter back and forth was just was fantastic. It, it really was. Richard Jefferson, I learned, I learned, was this game on Saturday? I learned Saturday yeah. he's not a Duke fan. Oh yeah, he was. <laughs> if you were listening to that, he was ragging. Well, on they Duke. lost to Duke in the. He, in the tournament that one year because uh, it was the same day that Duke lost to Clemson and Richard Jefferson just the whole broadcast was just oh thank god they lost to Clemson any day that Duke loses is a good day <laughs> I think he was they were going back to Jay Williams in the studio too and he, he was even he was even going in on Jay Williams a little bit he was like Jay nah he was he was a below average player when he was at Duke just straight up, and Jefferson, yeah, he's funny too. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big Richard Jefferson fan. He's a he's one of the better young media guys for sure. I mean, probably the best as far as uh, younger guys that is. Because like, he's not afraid to just talk, you no. know, like a normal conversation. A lot of these, even some of the colored commentators, but mostly just the play by play guys have to keep things, you know, straight. And Dave Patch is trying to do that. Yeah, but with Bill Walton <laughs> and Richard Jefferson is kind of tough. Yeah, it's its own show within the game, which is fun and. I hope yeah. they do that more often, especially considering the little rivalry that UCLA and Arizona has. This was obviously a big game in the yeah. Pac-12. It's it's the polar opposite though yeah. of the Fox All Access that we saw. Yeah, where <laughs> where we're getting in-depth look into the the coaches' huddles. How, and then you how, go from that to Bill. How Walton. much would you have paid for the in-depth huddle, Sean Miller? Oh, on that one? <laughs> I would have probably bought the package. Yeah, I, I if they have the pay-per-view for it. Yeah, I would though, because Mick Cronin too. Yeah, I mean that's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, if we could just get up for Pac-12 coaches in general, like I mean, you get Bobby Hurley also. Oh. Um, I mean, Mike Hopkins, I'm sure is yelling. Dana Altman's a little bit of a yeah. Yeah, we we're getting there. Wayne Tankle, I mean, maybe not saying much, but he, he's he's sweating. You know, he's out there. He could be. He could be gone in a couple of years. <laughs> he could be gone next year. Yeah. <laughs> Once Trace leaves, but another thing that's funny about this game and the UCLA story is it's. It's like this crazy Cinderella underdog story, which which it is in a vacuum, but at the same time, UCLA is like the most storied franchise in all of college basketball or program that is in in all of college basketball. So it's a little funny thinking like, oh, such a 
underdog story like it's like Richmond going on a run or something like that. It's it's UCLA still, yeah. but it's it's fun. I'm and I'm rooting for them now, and, and that's part of the reason why it was funny too, because Richard Jefferson was talking about UCLA's losses earlier on in the season uh, yeah. with Bill Walton right next to him, and you know Bill Walton is the biggest UCLA supporter, uh, and Washington and Oregon, and <laughs> but mostly UCLA, <laughs> UCLA and Sam Timmons. Yeah. Oh yeah, Sam Timmons. Yeah, he's a and oh Stone Gettings also for Arizona. Oh. That's his guy this year. He's like Stone. He says every every broadcast, it's like an over under of like five and a half Stone Gettings references. Like it's he's it's got great. some stones. <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's not it's not as bad as that. But yeah, he's just like this is the most important player on this on this Arizona team, and he's like their seventh man or something like that. So whatever. Shout out, shout out Bill Walton. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we wanna get into a little bubble watch now. Yeah. All right. What we got? So kind of just giving you guys. So there's only every team for the most part either has one or two games left. Uh, that's just this, this is the last week of the regular season. Some conferences are already wrapped up and they're starting their conference tournaments this year, but not really any of the big ones. So basically, ACC, uh, Virginia Tech, or I mean not Virginia Tech, sorry, Virginia locked up their spot with their win against Duke. They're probably going to make it, but they're definitely in now. And then NC State and I guess Clemson's in the conversation now, but they're both like very firm maybes, but probably mm-hmm. I don't think either of them is going to make it in. Yeah, NC State just lost to Carolina. Yeah, that's a, tough. A game ago, and I think we're a quad three loss, maybe a quad four <laughs> loss. So you don't want to have quad that on your four resume. Loss, North Carolina, right? Brutal. Uh, Big Twelve. Oklahoma beat both Texas Tech and West Virginia this last week, so I think they're locked in. They should be in there. Texas has a puncher's t- chance of making it in after they beat. They did. Um, they did beat Texas Tech, and so it was a good win for them. I was really surprised they won that game. They just couldn't miss down the stretch, and uh, but they do play Oklahoma this week, which is an absolute must-win for them if they want to make it in. Yeah, if Texas can pick up two more wins, they'll be twenty and eleven, I think, and I would definitely put them yeah. in the tournament. I did not think that was going to happen a month ago. Like, no, Texas and UCLA making the tournament, and Providence also. Yeah. Might, okay, a bit, so I guess Providence get into the Big East now. So Providence, I want to say they're a lock after winning at Villanova this last week. Super impressive game from them. This is a team that's playing. Great basketball right now, but they do have Xavier at home this weekend, which is huge because Xavier's probably the other bubble team in the Big East. So they, I think Xavier needs that game as well. So I want to say Providence is a lock, but if they don't win that game against Xavier, then it's it's a little up in the air. Yeah, and that Providence game to me kind of just rubbed me the wrong way about this Friars team. Uh, the fact that How Pipkins so? scored twenty seven points, great performance by him, obviously. Um, but I, it was a super low-scoring game, too. I think it was in the 50s, similar to a Virginia game. Uh, it was a game where Villanova just could not score. No, and, they could not shoot the ball at all. And Providence was playing okay defense, so I give them credit for that. But that's not necessarily their mentality, like Virginia, um, is to keep the, the game low-scoring. So the fact that Pipkin scored 27, good on him, but I don't think he's going to be able to recreate that performance. Maybe he will, but... This Providence team was going to need more than just him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think that Xavier, when they when they play Providence later this week, I think Xavier's going to handle business. I think Providence will end up on the wrong side of the bubble. Um, they are making a run right now, so good on him. But, yeah, I, that's just my prediction. Yeah, um, no, I just got a weird feeling about yeah, that Yeah, I mean, obviously when you lose the games they lost in the beginning, beginning of the season, then they're, um, it's it's tough to put too much faith in them. But I mean, when you're playing as good of basketball as they are right now, they in the in the month of February they went five and zero against ranked teams. 
Like, they beat everyone good in the Big East. They beat mm-hmm. Butler, they beat Marquette, they beat Seton Hall, they beat Villanova, and they beat Creighton, which well, is damn impressive. And that's the thing about the Providence team is they have six quad one wins, yeah. uh, which is definitely going to help them uh, with the committee. But I do think one or two more losses – and they're out of the tourney. Oh, yeah. They, 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 their non-conference was just horrible. They it was lost so to, bad. They lost to Penn, Long Beach State, and Northwestern, just to name a couple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think if you lose were, to Northwestern, that's not good at all. No, and I think there were a couple others, but, uh, yeah, pretty bad non-conference. It, it scares me a little bit about the Big East, too, um, just the fact that Providence is finding success after losing mm-hmm. such bad games in the non-conference. Uh, it's kind of making me question where some of these teams are at right now. I'm a little bit... Yeah, I'm a little bit shaky in the Big East right now. I think Seton Hall is Yeah, that's the only team I really I, – I mean, Creighton also is playing really good, but C- Seton Hall I definitely trust. I think – I want to say the game they lost to uh, Providence, they were shorthanded, like they were missing someone, like maybe Quincy McKnight or like uh, Sandra Mamakulishvile or something like that. And so, yeah, but like Marquette, Villanova, Butler, I'm just not sold on it at all. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I Big East isn't – Top is, of the Big East is fine. Yeah. I think they could have some success, but, yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess, yeah, we, we shall see. Two weeks. Yeah, just just two weeks away. Uh, moved into the third big conference, the Big Ten. This one, I mean, it's kind of up in the air. Like, we've been talking about how crazy this conference is all year. It looks like they're probably going to get ten teams in, and so there's nine pretty much locks. I'm not going to list all of them, but pretty much everyone besides Rutgers, Purdue, Indiana, and Minnesota – are all the kind of bubble teams right now. I think Minnesota's probably out. They just lost two games this last week, and they were kind of must-win games for them. So I think between Rutgers, Purdue, and Indiana, probably two of them are going to make it in. So, yeah. I mean, doesn't really matter because I don't think any of these teams can really win away from home. So I doubt they're going to do much in the tournament. Uh, like, Purdue's been awful on the road. Uh, Rutgers, same story. Indiana's, I guess, had a couple, like, nice road games. But, yeah, those teams I don't really trust too much. Yeah, and for the Big Ten, I don't know how it's going to shake out. Yeah, it's weird. The top of it, which we'll get to the, the conference-style races after this, but mm-hmm. there's, like, like, I mentioned a couple weeks ago there's a chance there's, like, a 10-way tie. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but there's, like, a legit chance there's a six-way tie, which is pretty crazy. So, I guess getting into the Pac-12 now, I think Arizona State's a lock. Bobby heard these guys spot in the first four playing game. Don't worry about them. And then, yeah, I just have to take care of business against the Washington schools, which should not be a problem there. UCLA, I think, is a lock at this point, but they play USC this weekend, mm-hmm. which is a big one because USC needs that game. They have to win that, or else I don't think they're in. Yeah, and UCLA has tons of momentum right now. I think they can afford one loss. I uh, think so, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to lose. <laughs> definitely. I wouldn't put that, take that control out of your hands. But as of right now, I, I think they're in. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. Uh, the SEC is kind of boring. There's three teams that, like, I don't really care too much for, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Alabama. They're all kind of needing big weeks. I guess we'll see. I think maybe one or two of those will make it in, but all three of those are definitely on the bubble right now. And then other intriguing teams, Rhode Island. They played Dayton this week. That's a must-win game for them. Utah State, they're still on the bubble. Wichita State, Cincinnati, kind of maybes. We'll see. So. Yeah, and that's I kind of wanted to talk about those t- intriguing teams that you just mentioned a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, guess how many wins this Mississippi State team has against top thirty teams? Zero. Go- one goose egg. Yeah. You know they their their team they they haven't beaten a good team all year. Mm-hmm. They they need to win out if they need they want to make the tournament for sure. Just like all these other teams, yeah. basically to be considered. But 
I think it's going to be interesting this year to see how highly the committee favors certain conferences over others because this year's been so muddled with upsets and there hasn't really been a dominant team that I think we could see more. Or even a dominant conference for that matter. Yeah, and I think that we could see more mid-majors in the tournament this year than ever before. Uh, It could go either way, of course, but if that does happen, I think bubble teams and these power conferences that we're talking about, um, they could be NIT-bound if the committee values record over playing in a good conference because like we like you just said there hasn't really been a dominant conference no so these bubble teams and power conferences i think could be slighted by mid-majors who maybe have better overall records yeah exactly i mean there's there's and we don't really talk about like mid-majors besides like obviously the big ones like your dayton gonzaga san diego state but there's a lot of teams that have quietly been playing really well this year like vermont liberty east tennessee state just to name a few of them, there's uh, Rhode Island's another one that have really been like they're gonna be like they're not your average 12 seed that they're gonna be in the tournament. They're gonna be legit good or maybe 11 seed or 13 or wherever they land. Like they're gonna be legit good teams that are going up against a team that maybe got ninth in the Big Ten or something like that. And I guess we'll see. Like that's I mean that's what March is about. And if those mid majors can knock off those bigger conferences, then they make it more respect in years to come. Yeah, that's my thought too. Uh, like like I said, I don't really know how the committee is gonna play it, but I think we could see. I mean, this every every year I think since, like I mean, the past five years we've seen more mid majors in the tournament than ever before. Uh, it's definitely been an uptick in that. So the committee is slowly but surely valuing these these teams that play in smaller conferences over, you know, the Power Five conferences. But at the same time, uh, teams like NC State, Syracuse. Uh, teams that play in Power 5 conferences have historically snuck their way into the tournament even with worse records than yeah. these mid-major teams. So they definitely... And the, the records are a little inflated for the mid-majors because exactly. their level of competition. And th- that's why they have, to val- they have to, you know, it's that give and take where you're playing in a better conference, but at the same time, you're a mid-major, mm-hmm. so you're facing off against worse teams on average. So it's just tough to determine who, who the better team is yeah. out of those two. But, you know, it will be interesting to see, I think, maybe next episode or after Selection Sunday comes yeah. out. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I th- maybe we should predict how many mid-majors will be yeah, on that next episode. How many at-large bids go for, go get in for mid-majors and over, and over a yeah. power five. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see that because I'm kind of hoping for the mid-majors. It's just more fun because, I mean, I don't think a team like Rutgers is cool as it would be to see them get in the tournament. Right. It's like, I mean, that doesn't really do much for me. Right. Even, like, Maybe not Rutgers. I actually kind of want them to make it in because it's been forever since they've been in the tournament. Yeah. Like a team like Purdue. Like Purdue is terrible away from home. Like their only wins are when they're in Mackey and it's just rolling. So mm-hmm. like, I mean, have they done enough to make the tournament just because they're in a good conference? Yeah. yeah, and we'll see. I mean, if those mid-major teams win their conference tournaments, there's nothing to worry about. No. They'll be in like obviously. Yeah. But yeah, but it doesn't matter because they're Kansas is just gonna win it all this year. So <laughs> like, why isn't why Here are we, we even talking about it? <laughs> And moving on. So, <laughs> and now moving on to conference title races. We got the American. We got Houston and Tulsa. I guess everyone saw this coming. The Golden Hurricane, Tulsa. We're big fans of them. We watch all their games. They are tied for the American, which I think Houston has a tie break on them. But we'll see. <laughs> I guess that's exciting. Guess what teams at the top of the ACC? I, w- I mean, you're probably looking at my doc right now, so it's probably not going to be that <laughs> tough of a guess. But it I is, actually don't know. It is Louisville. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we, all, we all thought that this is a team that 
Uh, I mean, they're a half game up on Florida State, so we'll see. They just they just picked up a really good win actually this weekend over mm-hmm. Virginia Tech. Yeah, um, a team that they're not going to be in the tournament, but they're, they're frisky. Team, they're frisky. They're yeah. frisky. They're a team that you got to beat. <laughs> they beat know? Michigan State. Exactly. Yeah. We, we remember this. And, exactly. and, and Jordan Wara had twenty points. Really good sign for for Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like they're picking it up a little bit at the right time. Uh, definitely a team yeah, we'll, to keep. Your, I will say, I'm, I'm not. Keep your eye on them. That's yeah. all I'm saying. For the next week or so, keep your eye on them because they, you know, the ACC still has two. I think two or three more games left in the conference yeah. slate. So they're going to lose to Georgia Tech in the ACC tournament, and I'm going to be fully out on them. <laughs> uh, Big Twelve, Kansas just has to win out, and they they get that again after the the one year drought of them not winning the Big Twelve title. Looks like they're going to be back, <laughs> so that's very exciting for them. Big East, Seton Hall, I mentioned earlier, pretty much has it locked up. They have a two-game lead on everyone, just can't lose two games this Playing the week. best basketball out of everybody in playing, that conference, Playing too. really good, yeah. Maryland has a one-game lead on Michigan State, Illinois, and Wisconsin, so that's something to monitor in the Big Ten. Pac-12s between UCLA and Oregon. Basically, if UCLA just wins against USC, they have a they at least get a share with Oregon. Otherwise, uh, if they don't, then Oregon's probably going to win the Pac-12. And then the SEC, Kentucky, pretty much has it locked up. So there you go. There's your uh, conference title race update for the with one week left to go. Yeah. Not not a lot of really exciting races left. The only really interesting ones probably Pac-12 and and Big Ten, I Big guess. Big Ten, yeah. yeah. Oh, and American, of course. Can't forget about Tulsa. Mm-hmm. So going into odds and ends. So Dayton. <laughs> these are ju- these are just some some little yeah uh, some little interesting nuggets. little nuggets from the weekend. Yeah. So Dayton played on Friday against Davidson. They shot 72% from the field for the game. That's cr- they So Jalen Crutcher missed the first shot for, shot attempt for them. Besides that, they made the ne- their next 27 two-point field goal attempts. They shot 27 for 28 on two-point field goal attempts. So they won that game. This is the most <laughs> offensively gifted team in the country. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And they proved it on Friday because if you're shooting you know, that high of a percentage, incredible. obviously the defense wasn't there. But if you're shooting that well... You, you've got some talent, and I think that's you know that's their strength. And if they're <laughs> playing well, obviously, yeah, they look like the best team ever <laughs> when they're playing well. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah, it looks like there's a chance. Speaking of Dayton, that we get Gonzaga, San Diego State, and Dayton as one seeds in the tournament, which would be so fun. Like Gonzaga is kind of a blue blood at this point, but still a mid major or even low major, I guess. Mm-hmm. WCC, San Diego State, Day- Dayton are both. For mid majors, that'd be fun. If we get we get three mid majors in the in the one seed spot, and then you want to get into your most disappointing team of the season. Oh yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> well, my uh, it's I a could, toss up between it the team it's a Carolina versus the team in Washington. Exactly, <laughs> it's a toss up between my two favorite teams, Washington and Carolina. Uh, Rough year. I will say, uh, I guess I'll talk about Carolina a little bit. Um, I mean, <laughs> we're five and thirteen in the ACC. Yeah. Uh, we've kind of stunk it up this season. Uh, last in the conference with Wake Forest, uh, not really where where we expected to be. Uh, Cole Anthony and Armando Baycott coming in as freshmen. The fan base had pretty high hopes. Yeah, we'll Probably, see how good they are, sophomores. Yeah, well, maybe Baycott. <laughs> Definitely not Cole Anthony. He's going pro. But the fan base had pretty high hopes. Some of it was probably misplaced heading into the season. But what these highly touted freshmen. I think it was fair to think that, especially, you know, but this team lost a lot. We lost Cameron Johnson, Nasir Little, Kobe White. Luke May. Luke May. Basically the whole starting five uh, and most of the production. Uh, 
And uh, another big reason for the struggles, it hasn't only been us underperforming, us as in Carolina, it's been, you know, injuries. Nine mm-hmm. different players this year, they've missed a combined 87 games due to injury. Uh, and that's I think that's the most that a Roy Williams coach team has ever had. Uh, we have a big guy named Sterling Manley. He underwent knee surgery earlier in the year. He would have been, you know, our best big at this point. And then uh, super talented freshman Anthony Harris, he also went out with a knee injury. Jeremiah Francis, another freshman point guard, also knee injury. Cole Anthony, another freshman point guard, also knee injury, missed most of the beginning of the season and basically the whole non-conference. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping this team can make the NIT. I think that would be an accomplishment <laughs> at this point. It, it's It's been a rough year. I will say shout-out to Christian Keeling. Uh, he's a grad transfer from, from Charleston Southern. He's really picked his game up. He was playing super timid earlier in the year. I think he was a little bit intimidated by the Carolina Blue going from Charleston to Carolina. He didn't really know how to apply himself, where he fit in the offense, but I think he just had 16 points, a career high, and he he can shoot the lights out of the ball. And I think I wish that he had been as aggressive with the shot earlier in the season because we just beat Syracuse 92-79, to and us scoring 92 points against the zone would have been unheard of a couple weeks ago. With I think Cole Anthony dropped 25, Christian Keeling had 16. That was where we were kind of expected to be with Garrison Brooks inside too. He he's going to be a second team All ACC performer. Um, so <laughs> shout out to Christian Keeling. I, I shouldn't have given you this much rope, man. I'm done ranting, <laughs> but shout out to Christian Keeling, and we we're going to be the most dangerous 15 seed ever in the <laughs> ACC tournament. So oh. watch out. That was your uh, Carolina update, brought to you by Jordan Brand. The <laughs> most dangerous 15 seed in the tournament ever. I mean, yeah, they could always win the ACT tournament. It's not over until it's over, right? That's what I'm saying. We're going to be playing Duke in the first round or some. Duke, maybe <laughs> Florida State. You just got to beat Duke. You beat Duke this this weekend, get a quad one win, and then we're talking about at large. You know, beating Duke <laughs> at Duke is tougher. Oh, yeah. Like, usually we split with them. But the fact that we lost that first game at Carolina. Yeah. Do you think we're going to beat Duke? No. <laughs> no? Sure, why not? I mean, Duke's not playing very well right now either. They lost to uh, who did they lose this week? They lost to freaking Wake. Yeah. Well, they lost to someone. Else. Oh, they lost to Virginia. Yeah, Wake and then Virginia. Wake so. and then Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they're coming off losses, so they might be playing well. Yeah. Or they're playing bad. Or they're playing bad. Are you gonna watch <laughs> that game? Of course, man. The first one was so good. Yeah. But I guess right, we'll get into the games to watch for this and, week. And watch out for Christian Keeling in that game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Watch, watch out for Christian Keeling. He is a sniper. That's right. <laughs> Uh, games to watch so tonight, NC State at Duke mentioned the the aforementioned Blue Devil Blue Duke. Well, Jesus Christ, Blue, Duke Blue Devils. Yeah. Uh, that's a big game for NC State. They're in their tournament chances. That game's at four p.m. Is that tonight? That's tonight. Yeah, so that's a must win for NC State. I will be watching Texas that Tech at Baylor six p.m. So, I mean, there you go, Big Twelve game. <laughs> just a, just <laughs> two kind of. Uh, downward trending teams Tuesday we got Maryland at Rutgers probably the must win game for Rutgers there Michigan State at Penn State should be a good one Texas at Oklahoma must win game for Texas if Shaka Smart wants to get back into the tournament it's been a couple years since we've seen uh, Havoc in the tournament so it'll be be nice for him to get get that win Mm -hmm. Wednesday we got Xavier at Providence mentioned this is a huge bubble game for the Big East I think the winner of this is a lock for the tournament losers probably on on the outside looking in Villanova at Seton Hall this is a, another good one. Seton Hall can lock up their Big East title if they win this game. Dayton at Rhode Island. This is a must-must win for Rhode Island if they want to get into the tournament. 
they're probably on the outside looking in right now just because they, they lost a tough one this past weekend. So this is a big one for them. Dayton's coming in. Dayton's coming into this game, and they need to win it. Thursday, Illinois at Ohio State, ranked Big Ten matchup should be a good one. Mm-hmm. And this is the last week of conference play. Uh, conference tournaments are going to be starting up next week, so mm-hmm. uh, this is where where teams can kind of make their final mark for the committee and hopefully mm-hmm. get some quality wins. Make a late quad run for one, the tournament. Quad two. Yep, that's right. right. Uh, you got anything else for today, Josh? No, I just hope the people are happy. We're we're out here braving the elements, risking our our health and livelihood uh, with the coronavirus outbreak in Seattle. So. Or uh, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see if uh, if things get worse, and yeah. in, in which case there may be a closure of campus, and we may not be able to. Uh, we'll find a way. Maybe not be able to record at some point, but we'll, we'll find a way. We'll get you guys the content. Don't worry. Yeah, Corona is nothing. <laughs> yeah, we got this. Yeah, we got the Lyme disease. We'll be fine. All right, thank you guys for tuning in today. Uh, we'll be back on Friday to talk about the week's action. Uh, I'm Caden Condor. I'm Josh Eddy. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, DM us on Twitter at the box seat. Uh, any March Madness predictions, we'd love to hear it. Uh, we'll talk about it in, during the next show. Go Farman. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you on Friday.